Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Adenike, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Donna, Adepaju, Sophia, and this is Group Chat. We are the brazen foursome turning our saucy group texts into colorful group chats. And as always, we want to thank you so much for your continued support and your listenership. <laughs> we are we are definitely on SoundCloud, and I'm very, very happy to announce that we have expanded our reach, and you hey. can find us on TuneIn and on Stitcher Radio. So yes. let's get into the show. What are we doing today? Here's the rundown. I'll be asking the deep question about mentoring. Hmm. And Donna? On the sizzle, I'll be using the Bill Cosby case to discuss the nuances of rape culture. Sophia? And I'll be talking about what's on my mind, which is Black History Month and the unsung heroes of our history. PJ? And I'll be closing the conversation by talking about the power of a good clap back. Clap, clap. Back, back. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so mentoring is a very serious topic and something that, of course, I learned from a meme because that's where I get my education from now. (laughs) Meme University. Meme University. (laughs) But the meme stuck out to me and it was. Be who you needed when you were younger. Mm -hmm. And so if we take that approach to mentoring, who did we need when we were younger? And how can we actually be of service to people in need? How can we take that forward? How can we pay it forward? How can we carry it on? And so, Donna, what about you? Mm. The neatest time in my life was when I was 12 years old. Um, At 12 years old, I was starting to make connections and I was starting to think about my academics and how that connected with success. So 12 years old, I was in a small school and I had a lot of support. My mom had a great relationship with the staff and I had exactly what I needed to be successful. Had good grades and I was just trying to figure out how does how does this translate into the real life? You know, I had my mother and she'd be like, you know, you have to get an education. You have to you have to get good grades. And just like that? Just like that. <laughs> and I'm just trying to figure out, like, I hear you, but why? Why is this important? So the mentor that I needed back then was someone that would be able to connect my skills with something in the real world. Like, at this point, it would have been, like, I don't know, something cool like creating apps. So someone that can kind of help paint that picture. Yeah, someone black that, girl code back then. Exactly. That's what I would have needed, a black girl code. Something that spoke to my skill set, like I said, and helped paint a picture of what I could do. So that's exactly the type of the type of mentor that I needed. Okay, so now that you know what you would have benefited from, how can you be of benefit to somebody now? That's a great question. I do connect with young people in my family and in my circle by taking them to different interesting new places. I have a few girls that I take, I take them ice skating. I take them, you know, just to, to new places that I didn't have the opportunity to go to just because my mother was a single parent and she didn't have the time. So that's something that I do because I feel like it's, it's really important. It's something that I missed out on. So regularly I'll take a group of girls ice skating or we'll go pumpkin picking because the world is big and you don't necessarily need to be home, you know, watching things through a television. So right. The exposure. That's what, absolutely. So that's what I do right now. Okay. Thank you. What about you, PJ? I think I've been fortunate in the mentors I've had. Um, I can 
just remember back to the time when you and I met through our internship and scholarship program. That's the type of mentorship platform that I know is not available to many people, but for me anyway, has really made a huge impact in my professional and also personal life because it not only included, you know, going through these rotations um, at work while we were also going to school, but learning the little things about like what's the etiquette of working in the corporate world. So that I would say was my first introduction to mentorship. And so today I make a point of um, mentoring and volunteering from time to time with an organization called American Needs You and helping first generation college students to have a similar type of experience. Be able to speak to someone who's been through that same situation with them um, to help them with mock interviews, career planning, career advice, advice with school, and just getting through through all of these different like college experiences and get into the other side of it, whatever career <clears throat> they decide they want to pursue. That's cool. How about you, Sophia? Well, I can definitely say as a child that... I didn't have as strong mentors as I would have preferred. And as an adult, I see that I have received a lot of women mentorship, a lot of the organizations and people I'm around. And I'm fortunate to have one um, such person who is not only a close friend, but a mentor. Shout out to Sheena, who kind of noticed a lot of the work that I was doing and how it could be taken to the next level. She had helped me get into the program, Women's Campaign School at Yale which empowers young women to be involved in political work domestically and internationally. So she's, she's kind of opened up my eyes to um, how I need to think about myself in five-year, 10-year plans to start figuring out what I need to look at and how can I strengthen my position. And um, so as an adult, I think that works much better for me, uh, how I need to, where, where I see myself. And I think that as a role model, as a mentor, myself, I, I would like to pay it forward by reminding children where they need to see themselves beyond the typical athlete or um, rapper rapper right. or basketball wife or football wife. Right. You know, things that they can see, see themselves doing beyond. And lately I have not participated in any, any groups, but my challenge to myself this year is to kind of spread that knowledge, spread that awareness and Hopefully, I can come back to the table and tell you what I've been working on and inspiring other children. We'll check on you next week to see what progress you made, right? Let's come back next week. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, I think that it is, is so important for us to recognize that wherever we are in our lives, professionally, personally, we have not done it on our own, right? We all benefit from having influences from outside of ourselves, whether that is to give us perspective or that is to, as you said, Sophia, kind of like set you straight, put you on the right path. And um, in my work, I'm fortunate to work with young people and um, have the opportunity to to supervise them. And um, I tell them when, when I start to supervise them that once you have me in your life, you're not going to ever get rid of me and I'm going to be here. <laughs> like We're the Grim Reaper. Exactly. <laughs> or like Chucky. We'll, we'll be friends until the end. We will be friends. <laughs> um, because I think it's important, you know, for young people to have kind of like a near peer relationship, you know, somebody who is 
older, has more experience, but doesn't is not so far removed from them that they have personal experience. Yeah, that they just don't have any kind of connection to them. So sometimes when I'm talking, you know, among the young the young kids, like I'll drop in like some lines from some popular songs and they'll look at me. That's one thing I have to say about you. You always know what the latest slang is, what the latest dance is. I get it from them. Like you always know, like you put me onto the smirt the smurda song, the shmoney dance. Yes. I get it from them. She taught us about on being on fleek. Yes, I get it from I get it from them, and so I think that that's important that you raise that because I feel like the mentoring relationship is two ways. It's right. not just me imparting knowledge on them, but it's also them imparting knowledge on me, right. and and so so I just think it's very important for us to continue to keep that in mind as we go on with our lives and as we continue to engage with people. Just constantly look out for opportunities to opportunities to mentor. And now, Donna, tell us about the sizzle. So you're listening to The Sizzle, and what we like to say is, it ain't hot unless we're talking about it. So today, I'll be talking about the Bill Cosby case. Yes, it's a very, very hot topic. It's been trending for months. You know, it all started with Hannibal Burris's stand-up. He had a moment where he stood on stage and he was talking about Bill Cosby's reputation of drugging and sexually assaulting women. And he felt like this was something that was known within the, you know, comedian circle. But once the media got a hold of this information, all of a sudden, tons of stories were circulated. Women coming forward saying that they had been fondled or drugged, sexually assaulted by Bill Cosby. So right now, there are two different um, cases. A civil charges being filed against him as well as criminal charges. The recent thing that I heard is that the criminal charges... No, sorry. The civil charges were dropped, but the criminal charges are still pending. And what I want to talk about, I don't, want to, I don't really want to get into the nuances of whether he did it or whether he didn't do it. We all have our personal opinions about that. And my belief right now, there's just been so much media coverage. There's been so much information put out there that I think that whatever you believe, you're going to believe. You don't necessarily need a criminal case or a civil case to determine what you feel. It's kind of like the Trayvon Martin case, right? Did we really need to hear that there was a non-guilty determination? I feel as though, what's his name? George Zimmerman. Right, right, sorry. George Zimmerman um, committed the crime. So it's similar to this case. Um, I feel as though we're going to believe what we want to believe. And I just want to know from you ladies, what were your initial responses to hearing about the charges uh, of sexual assault against Bill Cosby? I'll go first. I thought it was fragile. This was obviously someone who was lauded in the entertainment and media industry. He was for a period of time within his career called America's Dad. He was selling Jello. <laughs> Jello. Oh, oh, what? Yeah. Where was it? Wait, was it Jello or pudding? It was, right? Je- it was Jello pudding. Oh, okay. Jello pudding. <laughs> But yeah, so he was, this was a face that, you know, I feel like if you're in a certain generation, you definitely grew up with seeing him in a certain light. So that was my initial. What about Sophia? What was your initial response to these charges? I was just disappointed overall. I just knew him as the actor, you know, on the Cosby show that inspired a different perspective of black families, middle class families. And it's not something that you want to hear because you obviously, I was looking from also a different perspective how society likes to tear down the black man and things like that. So I was just disappointed overall. And it's not something you want to hear about or acknowledge, but I don't... So basically you were in denial. (laughs) 
have the same attachment to Bill Cosby as maybe many other people. Wait, 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 wait. Um, so you mean, I have a question. You don't feel like it was one of the best sitcoms? <laughs> no. Of all that's, a, that's a lot to say, I Donna. Don't, I don't feel that way. Like, I mean, of the, of the early, like, what was it, the 80s? The, the 90s? Late 80s, late 80s early 90s? I thought it was an okay show. I watched it. But did I think he was like my dad, or did I want him to be my dad? No, no I have a dad. Yeah. A dad I'm very happy with. <laughs> Proud no, of. I love my dad. I love my dad. No, what but. I'm saying is like I'm just thinking of once you know all of these charges were revealed, and the I guess a deposition of his from many years ago was unsealed. I'm just thinking of the people who've come to his defense, the people who are sort of speaking a lot about why they're doing this to him. I definitely sense that there's some fear, or some passion for this man because of a sort of yardstick or maybe role model that he was to them whereas for me he's an actor a regular dude regular actor right yeah so um i want to use the case to segue into a discussion about rape culture one of the things that stood out to me was a revelation from his 2004 deposition where an attorney asked him about some prescription medication that he had for quaaludes and they asked him about his intention like if his intention was to use it to have sex with young women and he said yes and that's going to be the focus of this conversation just the idea of rape culture and rape culture is normalizing sex violence against women and i want to talk about you know examples that we see in our regular day you know in our everyday lives of this so want to hear from you guys what are your examples of rape culture in society today I think it's sort of normalizing sexual violence against men and women. Mm, because okay. I even think that attitudes that like men can be raped is something that like I myself often have to struggle with and actually speak to male friends about. So if a man um, tells you he's raped, do you take that seriously or do you kind of laugh on the low? Well, I'm not going to laugh at anyone's pain. Right. What about on the low? But I know on the low I will be questioning it. And I have to with with guy friends. And like I said, it's something I struggle with. On the low, low. And something that I need to work on because we're having a very, very interesting discussion here. Because there are definitely times when as a woman, you feel like you have to defend yourself sometimes about these men coming at you in a way that just does not make you feel safe or comfortable. Example, um, let me get an example. With an example, I mean, I will talk about street harassment. It's true. Like, I'm, I'm thinking about it now and thinking when I walk the street, you know, I get out of my house and so I'm walking down the block on my way about my own business to the bus, the train, mm-hmm. to work in a whole nother headspace. To have a man then impose himself <laughs> in my little tunnel vision world and say, like, Hey, ma, or this, or that, and essentially want acknowledgement. Right. And I'm not even thinking about that. There are times that I just want to walk off. But prior experiences have taught me that might not always be the best thing. 
Because this person might decide to go get their car and be waiting for me the next day, right. as has happened before. But do you or, look at it as a compliment? Because if you, let's say, for instance, one day you go out and there's two men that holler at you. The next day, 15 men holler at you. So do you think, well, maybe I did something right that day. Maybe I, I got extra cute. No, no. I figure I'm always cute every day. <laughs> so, <laughs> cuteness on um, And not really doing anything different. <laughs> that. I just feel like it's worrisome. No, okay. it's true. I can talk about experiences I've had where, for example, a certain man was waiting for me every day for a week at wow. a certain point that he knew I was going to be passing by. That's kind of scary. That was scary to me. Right. And I had to let him know, hey, I'm married to a Marine. I mean, if we're, if we're really... <laughs> First of all, I want to give a shout out to PJ's imagination. <laughs> shout out to PJ's imagination. Because I just because, wanted... Because wow. apparently, my, you know, like day three, I remember telling him, I really am not comfortable with you doing this. This mm-hmm. is like the third day in a row like I know you know which path I walk right and of course I could choose a different path but I don't feel like doing it and I said please stop the next day he was still there so oh, this time around that's creepy as hell no. you, you, you have to call the police I, I, this is when I was like hey I'm married to a marine I would have been like I'm here, married I would have said I'm married to a sniper if you are here the next day he will be here with me. I'm just letting you know. He will be here, girl. He wasn't there. Somebody. He wasn't. He wasn't there the next day. Crazy. He wasn't there the next day. And sometimes this is what you got to do. So, Sophia, do you have any examples of rape culture in current day society? Well, I think a lot of it is pervasive for what we're taught as young girls. You know, our mothers teach us to kind of blame. Our current situation or you know what we are asking for and don't go into a person's home late at night or sometimes we are in a culture where we're asking for it in terms of we're allowing um, ourselves to be raped in the sense that we're putting ourselves in a situation based on the clothes that we're wearing mm-hmm. or where the um, time that we're hanging out at mm-hmm. yes and the time that we're walking home mm-hmm. exactly so, how much makeup are you wearing mm-hmm. <laughs> what kind of shoes were you wearing are your nails painted red <laughs> mm-hmm. and i think the question really should be flipped in the sense that how are we teaching our our, our young boys that you know just as the way our mothers are teaching us to be have all these precautions our fathers or you know, even mothers also talking to their sons about, okay, this is the way you need to treat a woman on a daily basis. You know, just because she comes over or just because she's spending time with you does not mean that she wants to be pushed into a situation and to be respectful of her space and her time. And I think that those conversations need to happen with young boys and um, what's not acceptable and and what is a respectable way of, of caring about women because a lot of these young children both men and women young women and men are being taught about relationships and how we are supposed to treat each other sexually so what's important is that we teach our our children that we respect sexually people's time and space and Anika, what's your what are your thoughts on the on the topic? Well, I absolutely do believe that rape culture is prevalent. I believe that within the schema of white heteronormative racism, white supremacy, that obviously rape culture is present. It is the way that we socialize boys and girls. We tell boys, or the refrain is that boys will be boys, um, and boys sow their wild oats, and girls have to be mindful about how they treat their bodies, and their body is a temple, and they have to be mindful about their body count. And so it is very much that objectification of women and sort of this laissez-faire attitude toward boys and men that 
just becomes more and more pervasive. And then back to the whole issue that you that you opened up with, when you add drugs and alcohol to the mix and then the lines of consent get blurred, right. it is seen as though, um, building on Sophia's point, that you know the person kind of asked for it because you know that alcohol inebriates you. You know that drugs diminish your inhibitions. Right, so that's a song like, you frightened, but you know you really want it. Right, 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 exactly. Like somebody being a tease. Right. And so it's like, if I... If you you're saying no, but you really mean yes, mm-hmm. right? And how do and, and right? But 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 these are the things that happen. And so I think that as women and as girls are growing up, it's like, well, I didn't really want him to touch me. He did it, and it actually felt good. But I really didn't want him to touch me, right? right? But I think that you, if the line is no, no is no, <laughs> and but it's it's difficult. But I think it's something that we have to continuously unpack. It's something that we have to continuously unpack. And unfortunately, a lot of the onus is put on women yes, to yes. protect themselves. To not be in certain situations, to not do this or to not do that, and unfortunately, on the flip side, the boys are not giving the same message. Right, and I just want to wrap it up with the fact that rape culture starts with the approach that you know there are these big, bad, scary men that women need to protect themselves from, and all of us, a group full of women, have gotten messages on what we need to do to protect ourselves from scary men. When we go out in groups, right, we look out for each other like a like a pack of wolves, right? We, we're looking out to make sure that there's not a man preying on our drunk friend. But when men go out, do they have conversations amongst themselves where they say, you know what, she's too drunk, don't bring her home, right? Will she be able to consent? So that's why I felt like this conversation was important because I feel like all the responsibility all the conversations that we're having put, like I said, the responsibility on us, on women, to protect ourselves from being raped. And we need to start having conversations about the predators. The guys that, before they even arrive to the club, have a pocket full of quaaludes. Plotting on how they're going to create a situation where they're going to get you wavy enough to sleep with them. And that's why I felt this conversation was important because I just feel like a lot of the responsibility is put on us and we need to have a balanced conversation where we're talking to our young men. We're talking to our boys about how to um, have a real and honest conversation about consent. So thanks for your contributions, Sophia. So what's on my mind my mind is on the forgotten history in black history. It's basically about the people we fail to identify and recognize who have made significant contributions to history. Basically built the foundation of America. Hello. So, <laughs> year after year we celebrate the same figures like MLK and Rosa Parks. No shade. <laughs> <laughs> but what about the inventors and the entrepreneurs that really helped build the foundation of this country? So my question to you guys, uh, before I go into some of the contributors in our history, is do you think there's a fear to share and know about the Black Americans who have built the very foundation of America and its lifestyle? And in the textbooks that we teach our children, would it change to include true Black history to empower our youth? To let them know about the true history of America versus just letting them know about Lincoln fleeing the slaves and MLK and Rosa Parks. Like there are things that go beyond that. And I think there are people here and now who are breaking barriers and should also be celebrated. In this past year, there's been Vincent R. Stewart, who is the Lieutenant General 
who became the 20th director of the Defense Intelligence Agency of the United States of America, making the first African man to hold this position. And there's also Wendell Scott, who is the first African-American driver in NASCAR. And he also was the first African-American to be inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame this in 2015. And there's also Loretta Lynch, who became the first black woman to serve as Attorney General of the United States in this past April of um, 2015. There's also Jasmine Tweedy, who became the youngest judge ever appointed in the history of South Carolina. There are a lot of people doing their thing and who will also be in the history books, but will, will we be talking about them? So ladies, I throw it out to you, PJ, why don't you kind of give me some insight on what your thoughts are about what the larger society is not sharing about black history? I don't know if I can answer the question of what the larger society is not sharing with a hundred percent of maybe of the background that's needed. I can definitely share my experiences about it though. I think being an immigrant who moved here, I would say past elementary school age, I have a, an interesting perspective on the issue. Because I grew up in a country that taught us about who our heroes were um, in Nigeria. It mm -hmm. was never something where they felt the need to maybe hide all of it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we're taught everything because Nigeria has its own contested history. But we're certainly taught enough where I saw myself and some of these people and never really felt a lack in that. Like they weren't being propped up when they did something great, disregarded when they didn't do as much. Living in the United States and learning a lot about how much of black history has been forgotten or discarded or hidden is quite surprising to me. And for me, I know this month I've enjoyed learning about someone like John H. Johnson, who was the gentleman who created Ebony and Jet and also started Fashion Fair Cosmetics. I mean, this guy was a, an unstoppable entrepreneur. These are the kind of histories I think young black kids would want to know to know that, hey, they've been entrepreneurs. You know, before my time, look at this guy. He did it with one, you know, magazine and a second magazine and a cosmetic company. I don't see why that would be something that needed to be put down. Um, Donna? My perspective is that history is told from the perspective of the victor. Right? So mm -hmm. if we're looking for a narrative of how things played out, of course it's going to be from the perspective of whoever dominated. Mm -hmm. So I don't expect our country to give us a full history of the prominent figures that helped influence our culture and improve the way black people relate or just give us insight into black history. So for me, I believe in black history 365 every day of the year. I don't just designate one month to learn about or to talk about what's happening in our culture. Think about Jewish people, they have Jewish schools where they learn their language and they honor their culture. There are Chinese schools where that is also done. It really is our responsibility, the responsibility of our community to circulate this information. Um, so it's just like asking the question of, well, why isn't it prominent and why aren't we talking about uh, a group like the Black Panthers, which I really look up to. It's, it's up to us. Right, because when people and but why you should say also why you look up to the Black Panthers? 
I look up to the Black Panthers because they just had a sense of pride and commitment to the community. The programs that they had, like the breakfast program where they would offer free breakfast for kids and families early in the morning. They had a health program. They had a youth institute where they were educating people in the community. Free ambulance um, service. They had a free food program. So all these different things were created by the Black community for the Black community. So I can't expect the dominant white culture to provide that for us. So it really is up to us to continue these conversations, not from February 1st to February 28th, 29th, or 30th. <laughs> um, we need to talk about these things. <laughs> no, no, there, there, there is no 30, 30, never 30 days in February. There is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's 29 okay. this year. Okay, I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> never been 30, ever. Right, it's true. So we'll stop at 29. <laughs> this year. Oh, wow. <laughs> Next year will be different. So yeah, it's really up to us to have that conversation and to celebrate our heroes and our sheroes. Adeke, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I think uh, that black history should not be relegated to acts of assimilation. So often we hear about, oh, this was the first black woman to do X or the first black man to, to get into Yale. Right. right. You right. Said it's like, no, we have been ourselves and sort of right. been living and resisting and, you know, and we're still alive you right, know what I mean? right. for a long time. And so for me, it is less about, it's definitely a deference to history. Obviously we, we stand on the shoulders of people who came before us. But it's us about, it's really about us living out our true selves. So the things that we put our minds to, doing them, um, celebrating our peers and um, our contemporaries, people who are doing what they want to do as black people in this society. So, you know, we patronize black businesses. We patronize, you know, I don't do clubs and all of the work that, that Janice Jamila is doing. And that's important to recognize and to acknowledge each other and to support each other as we're doing it. So for me, it's less about the people who are not as prominent in black history, but the fact that we're making history right now, you yeah. know what I mean? And we yeah. should continue to make history and we should continue to be fearless and we should continue to live our lives. Um, I just saw this quote from Fannie Lou Hamer and it says, what was the point of being scared? The only thing they could do to me was kill me. And it seemed like they'd been trying to do that a little bit at a time ever since I could remember. So it really is just about each of us, whatever it is that we want to do, let's just live the best lives that we possibly can and let's be fearless about it and let's be un unapologetic about it. about it. Exactly. To me, that's what it is. Boop. <laughs> and so I'm going to throw it over to PJ to give us the wrap up. We're coming to the close of another podcast. So I thought we'd wrap up by talking about the power of the clapback. So I'm not going to lie. I enjoy a very good clapback. And saucy. Uh -huh. <laughs> saucy. <laughs> I mean, I can just picture like way back in the day, um, you know, a conversation between Adam and Eve. Adam, Adam goes, why'd you give me the apple? And Eve goes, why'd you eat it? I can see that being one of the first um, clapbacks. And then, you know, fast or forward to relationships. The or that. Violence, right? Or that. And then, you know, fast forward to, you know, days of today. I'm thinking, um, or I was reading an article recently that was talking about 
how a good clapback is often necessary necessary in order for you to sort of return the balance to life. Because the way it works is, you know, person A says or does something that's out of line, and you, person B, righteously clap back. And then balance is returned. So I thought I would ask you ladies about some of the the better clapbacks that you've heard in your experiences. Donna? Uh, the most recent clapback that I could recall, you could tell me if this is a clapback or, or not, <laughs> with Linda Shavers, <laughs> right? So Linda Shavers posts an article um, in Elle magazine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> shady, shady. <laughs> and in her article, she talks about black girl magic and how... Black girl magic is a way of exaggerating our capabilities and how we aren't magical and, you know, just portraying ourselves in that light um, makes us look superhuman. And she talks about her own difficulties because I believe she has some sort of... She has like multiple sclerosis. Yeah, yeah. She has multiple sclerosis and she talks about how she doesn't feel magical and all the struggles that she goes through. But I ultimately felt like she was projecting her own pain onto the movement of black girl magic, mm-hmm. right? Black girl, black girl magic is a space where we celebrate each other. And the reason why it's necessary is because we have so much information from the mainstream that tells us that we're not beautiful enough. If you Google the word beauty, it'll take you a while before you scroll to scroll through and find a black face. So black girl magic is a hashtag in space that we can encourage each other and love on each other. And here Linda Chapis comes. Rain and all on our parade <laughs> as a fellow black woman. Yeah, so it was, it was kind of tragic to see her and her pain like projected onto this movement. It was just like, no, 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 like Linda, 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 listen, 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 listen Linda. Linda. That's, that's not even what black girl magic is. Like, and when reading all the strong responses to that article, you clap know, backs. I, right, clapbacks. I found that she didn't even do any real research on the origin of black girl magic and the founder of the term. So I just felt it was completely misguided and it was, like I said, a projection of her own pain onto the movement. So I feel like that was one of the most epic clapbacks in 2016. It totally discombobulated her. Did you see the follow-up interview? <laughs> like it just yeah. rocked. I feel like it rocked her world. It sure did. She went to go take several seats yeah. over there. <laughs> In a corner somewhere, right? With no light. Sadly. But we, you know, she we we, we wish her well. Right. You know, we hope that she's able to separate her personal, actual physical pain from the celebration of black women on a larger scale. Because those two things are separate and different. Very separate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And what about you, Adenike? What is a recent or one better clapback you've heard? I feel like Donna was in my brain just now. (laughs) She was obviously in there probably picking things out of my brain just now because I was going to talk about... Cut it out. Just just say I inspire you, (laughs) Tell me how I inspired you. Go ahead, girl. You do inspire me. Yes. I'm the wind beneath your wings. I was just about to say that. I promise you I was just about to say that. I'm the wind beneath your wings. Yes. Go ahead. What? Get out of my brain. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So... There was one thing that I feel like I shared on Facebook recently, and it was about, it was after the officers who killed Tamir Rice were not charged, and someone created, like, 
a list of categories for which they would block someone on Facebook. Mm. So <laughs> it was like, you know, but all lives matter. Blocked, you know. <laughs> I feel your plate. You're going to feel this block. You know, like, like, and I thought it was such a cute, it was like, everything was, it was just like, because you get to the point where you're sort of tired of having these conversations over and over again. You know, but it's the so same You don't content. think that these conversations are important? The conversation, it's not that the conversations are not important. It is the people who, with whom you, we are having the conversations with. They're not interested in actually trying to learn mm-hmm. because we're not moving to a place of mutual understanding. It is still, we're still, um, we're still squabbling on the definitions of things, right? Mm-hmm. And so if we don't have a mutual understanding of the definition, then we cannot actually engage in a, in a debate. Right. So we're not going anywhere with that. And so I just thought that was a very good example of a hilarious clapback. So you you actually brought up a really good point. And what inspired me to have this conversation was an article I read called True to Power, The Art of the Clapback by Courtney Hodge. Courtney, I hope I got your name right. Because you know um, Courtney's listening. Yeah, because Courtney's <laughs> listening, of course. Hey, girl. Chat Nation. She's a, she's a part of it. <laughs> because she was saying that frequently the perpetrator of the inside and incident which starts all of this tends to feel like they're in a position of privilege, be it presumed, assumed, or otherwise. And when a clapback happens, it rejects that power imbalance completely. Um, the person who comes for you usually thinks they're protected enough to call out something they feel needs to be called out, which may or may not be true. And when you say, I do not recognize your authority and I will behave as I see fit, you are letting them know. Go back to where you come from. <laughs> so, Sophia, I'm just going to throw that to you and find out where some areas in life that you're feeling the need to clap back, or maybe you already clap back. I haven't necessarily myself clap back with anyone, but ones I found particularly particularly righteous. You talk about church people, <laughs> church goers. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I don't know if you recall Zendaya's comeback to um, Juliana Rancic's comment about how her hair smelled like patchouli and weed and weed mm-hmm. and about and I think that's just in general about how we are portrayed as women, how we carry ourselves, our hair, our culture, how we carry ourselves as normal, and how other people portray you know see us. And, you know, we're not something that you create or right? even more because she's young like yes. someone older thinks oh you're young so you don't know what, <laughs> what you're, you're gonna say about. <laughs> right? absolutely and so i think zendaya's you know response to that was very adult and mature and really spoke the truth about how we are as black women need to be respected a little bit more and that we're not here for you know the brunt of your jokes mm-hmm. we're not we're not here to entertain you we we know, not, we're not here for the shit and giggles y'all <laughs> no no you know, and I do have my certain opinions about Juliana at E, but I'm gonna keep it because you know, I you know we have to be polite. We keeps it classic. <laughs> <laughs> but tune into the after show; you might get old. So, yes, yes, but you know, so those kind of things I think is extraordinary when young girls are speaking out about you know what we won't accept about determining who we are as women, and not only was letting people dis- decide who we need to be. And, and, and reading people about that. I think that's important to remind people that we were able to take a stand and, and have a voice. So I think, that's, I think that's always important with clapbacks. I think it's also about being, being in your zone and being able to you know, protect that zone with, with authority. 
But there, is there a limit to the clapback? You know, like how no, there, there how a, hard do you do you mean you mean like you mean like no just meat mills. No, no, right, no, right, no, right, no. You just need to clap back enough when they don't come back at you. That's how much you need. to So you talk about like yoking them up. You know, right. like, no, like waking them up. Because people who, people who come for you think it's because you're asleep or something. Right. And that because you're young right. or because you're a person of color or because of whatever else. Oh, no, I could do Don't this. Don't come for me unless I send for you. Like we, she we said. Gotta, we got to stay woke, though. That, that That's true. So Don't fall asleep. <laughs> what I really liked about what um, Courtney said was that, you know, the essence of the clapback, while, yes. you know, it gives us all of this hilarity and we're laughing and we're going like, ooh, and there's zingers going through you when you see a really good one. But the serious. essence of it is it, they also speak truth to power. It's true. That's some people really do think they have some sort of authority over you when it's yeah. really just their opinion. Absolutely. And that sometimes the consequences of not speaking up about situations like that, they can be dire. Um, you know, when you don't speak true to like what's happening to you, to your power, you know, and she makes this reference. It's sort of what allows people like the convicted police officer, Daniel Hotscloud, oh, to, to assault multiple women who felt powerless under his authority or men break their own spines in a van Ooh, or women die mysteriously in yeah. jail or... We can we can insert any awful situation that's been the result of someone not speaking up and saying that's just not right. Mm-hmm. That's not right at all. Stand your ground. Hashtag. Stand your ground. You. We need to. I feel like we need to start empowering ourselves. To wait, be, wait, wait. When we say stand your ground, are we talking about the law? No. No. no I mean, that sense. Oh, okay. to, no. I'm not saying want, we don't want to empower any George Zimmerman's. Okay. That's not no, what we're trying no, to do. No. No. no and we're not. We're not backing that. We're not backing that. No. Weird no. No. Law. At all, no. but it's about saying that I will not believe behave how you want me to, and you will recognize me anyway. And that is a wrap, folks. So, listeners, what do you think of what we had to say about the benefits of mentoring, the nuances of rape culture, celebrating Black history 24 7, 365, and the power of a good clapback? Do you agree, disagree, or fall somewhere in between? Tell us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at This Is Group Chat. And let's get a conversation started. The beats on this episode were provided by Jay Davis. You can find him on Instagram at J-A-Y-P-G-M-I. And the jazz outros provided by Super Lowry Brothers. You can find them on iTunes slash Super Lowry Brothers. I want to thank everyone again for listening. And we're going to say ta-ta. What good. Deuces. All right, until the next time.